Julie, I'm really looking forward to the discussion today. R&D tax credits are the topic. It's an oldie but a goodie, and there are some new developments that I think it's important everyone will be aware of. I agree, Margie, and I think Randy's going to highlight how every company is a technology company, and he's going to weave in points about cybersecurity, digital services taxes, and then that important part of documentation. So with that, Margie, let's talk tax. You're listening to Tap into Tax, PwC's podcast series covering current regulatory, legislative, and technology hot topics through the lens of our tax technical leaders, as well as process and technology subject matter specialists. This podcast features discussions with some of our leading minds around tax, trade, and domestic policy. Stay tuned to our regular updates and subscribe to our series to get notified as new episodes are published. Welcome listeners, this is Margie Dunjashaw. I'm PwC's East Region Tax Leader. And as usual, I have Julie Allen with me, PwC's National Tax Services Leader. On today's episode of Tap into Tax, we're pleased to welcome Randy Friedman. Randy's a partner in our specialty tax services group focusing on R&D tax credits. Our discussion will focus on the R&D tax credit process, which is a common pain point for many tax functions. Many of my clients allocate valuable resources to gathering the data to determine the amount of credit that they can report on the return. But we're going to discuss why now is the time to refresh your thinking about how this is getting done in order to cut through the complication and embrace new, more strategic approaches. So, Randy, welcome to Tap into Tax. Margie and Julie, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Randy, let's put ourselves in our client's shoes. The R&D tax credit has been around for years. Why now? Tell us why the R&D tax credit is on the agenda for so many tax functions. Margie, thanks for asking that question. There are a lot of reasons, but what I want to start with is something I talk to a lot of clients and tax functions about today. And really, it's simply this. In this incredibly fast-paced, ever-changing business environment we're in, every company is a technology company in one way or the other. We see investment growing exponentially, and technology and R&D is a critical part of almost every company's strategy to ensure growth and sustainability. We talk about going digital all the time, and this includes technology implementations for organizations. These are often pretty significant investments, but these investments, which when analyzed properly, can generate significant tax deductions and R&D tax credits. So for example, companies are spending a lot of money on ERP implementations, migrations to the cloud, AI solutions, and bots, and all of these can yield efficiencies and also increase credits. In another example, and one of the biggest areas of investments these days, it's cybersecurity. We hear about it all the time that cybersecurity is one of the top issues that CEOs around the globe are thinking about. And cyber budgets are rapidly increasing as the threats to companies grow every single day. And what a lot of tax functions are just starting to realize is that a significant portion of these very large expenses may qualify for R&D credit. That is interesting, Randy, because thinking about it holistically, the R&D tax credit can make other activities within the organization that need to get done more economical. It can lower the total cost of those required activities. And like you mentioned, companies are needing to invest in cybersecurity. 
They're needing to invest in digitizing how they interact with their customers and suppliers and improving their technology and IT systems. So although the R&D credit might be the responsibility of the tax department and some of that IT spend lives in a different department, those two departments together, by claiming all the R&D credits that are available, it can actually subsidize or net-net make those other necessary activities a little less expensive. Am I following you right? That's right. You know, the primary intent of the R&D credit is to incentivize businesses to perform research activities in the U.S. And as a result of the technology and the utilization of things like, you know, advanced data analytics tools, the once cost prohibited process of the credit and those manual processes, it's all evolved to a place where with the right resources, we're in an environment where we actually can sort of turn over every stone and efficiently uncover more credits that may not have been worth the effort previously. And honestly, it's no secret that C-suites want to strategically cut costs and generate tax savings. And so R&D credits are a great way to do just that. As a reminder, the R&D credit is a dollar-for-dollar offset to tax liability. So tax functions should want to ensure that they're properly claiming and documenting all of their eligible activities and expenses. So, Randy, the business environment is changing, and we're also seeing the tax law changing. So we're seeing a lot of clients responding to the TCJA, whether it's capitalization, BEAT. Randy, tell us all about the changing tax landscape and how we should be thinking about that and its impact on the R&D credit situation. Yeah, the tax landscape is changing, and which we know brings both opportunities and pitfalls. So for to start with tax reform, it kind of brought the R&D credits to the forefront. It's one of those good guys that's out there still and to help minimize tax payments and including reduction of beat liabilities, which is pretty critical to a lot of tax functions. However, as we said, you know, tax reform also taketh away and the revisions to Section 174, which would eliminate deductions and force capitalization, are set to kick in in 2022 unless repealed. There's been some administrative things as well. So, for example, there was revisions to what we call the ASC 730 directive. This was a directive that was intended by the IRS to help cut down on some of the exam activity and help taxpayers by sort of wrapping their arms around these core R&D activities. Unfortunately, there was a revision to the directive that ended up being a bit taxpayer-unfriendly to those companies that are really in that software and digital world. So it wasn't as exciting as as we thought it would be. From the other perspective, there's state credits. A lot of states are actually enhancing some of the benefits. For example, Delaware went to a refundable credit a couple of years ago, and New Jersey is providing additional opportunities for methodologies for calculating that weren't available in the past. And on the other side of that spectrum, some states are also taking away their credits as well. Lastly, one of the more exciting potential proposals, which hasn't happened yet, but that would be really helpful for a lot of companies, is the idea that in conjunction with the CARES Act, there was a thought that R&D credits like that were being carried forward would potentially be refundable. At the moment, that's still just sort of a pie-in-the-sky idea. But if it does happen, I know a lot of taxpayers will be very happy with that movement forward. And then another area that's interesting is the digital services taxes. We see a lot of tax functions concerned about these new digital service taxes, and it's a big issue for them. But as I mentioned earlier, we talked about the concept that a lot of companies in one form or fashion or another are technology or in some way digitally enabling themselves. And those underlying efforts to drive digital services 
that are subject to the taxes are also the same investments that companies can tap into to generate more R&D credits and offset those global costs of those new taxes. And then one other point that we always like to talk about is our exams. And I would say that tax functions are getting more and more focused on ensuring they can sustain their credits. R&D credit exams have traditionally been challenging and, and with increased budgets and a slate of new hirings by the IRS, the new risk assessment policy, and state tax authorities upping their game on audits, they are continuing that tradition of fun exams. And so establishing a process to identify, qualify, and document the credits is even more important than ever. And using techniques like stat sampling is a great way to help your exam. So accordingly, it's a good time for tax functions to really be more focused on audits and exams and their outcomes and their readiness to assess their ability to respond to exam requests. Randy, this is consistent with what I'm hearing from my clients. They're under pressure to do more with less and be more efficient. So there's a push and pull here. There's a desire to have a more robust R&D credit process and go out there and avail yourself of the credits that your company can have. However, with fewer resources and less time, it's a little harder to go after every dollar. So it's one thing to accurately calculate your R&D credit. It's another effort to make sure that it's appropriately documented so you can sustain it under audit. So how are you seeing clients respond to this push and pull? Yeah, one of the, the challenges for tax functions is finding the right resources to identify and qualify and document their credits. It takes a significant amount of time to put it all together and to properly identify those credits and expenses. And to do it right, it also takes sort of the right cross-functional group of people. And without the right technical data, credit, subject matter expertise, it can be challenging. And, you know, in today's environment where you have stretched resources and competing priorities, companies struggle to accurately identify and document their credits. For example, having the right resources to dissect the process of experimentation requires time and expertise of engineers, researchers, and business unit level professionals that just don't have the capacity to take on this challenge. We've seen a one-team approach can really help with this issue, and our tax teams consistently team with our advisory resources to help clients out. Having a deep understanding of the technologies and processes allows our teams to dig deeper. And also, really importantly, in many cases, it also allows us to speak in a manner to the subject matter experts at the companies in a manner which is less intimidating to subject matter experts. Another challenge that we're seeing is the time-consuming manual steps that we know that tax functions grapple with. In response, we see many tax functions turning to automations to redesign and simplify the manual intensive processes. R&D projects have historically been manually intensive, and some companies continue to use Excel and these cumbersome tax packages. Now, these automations will ultimately make that obsolete, if you will. And a key to doing this is to replace all of those low-value repetitive tasks with refined processes and more embedded automations. Those automations, like I said, they not only save the time, but really what they also do is they allow the tax resources and functions to spend more time on the substance of issues, strategy, and actually adding more value. When we think about what some of these automations or technologies are to reduce those steps, we also think about the fact that in the past, companies spent a lot of time trying to figure out, well, what's worth chasing? What's do a cost-benefit analysis to determine, you know, is it worth finding every dollar? And some of the examples of the technologies are a few things I'd just like to add for you right now. You know, one of them is leveraging 
a web-based platform that's really designed for purposes of the R&D credit. That's a pretty common denominator in the success that we're seeing. Our research credit solution, which we call RCS, can yield a night and day difference for the tax function. It's a true virtual collaboration tool that we designed, and it provides space that automates the execution of customized surveys. It facilitates data and documentation collection. It allows progress and monitoring and oversight via you know, custom dashboards. And we do this all while sharing the information in a virtual way that, again, eliminates those tax packages and, and reduces the amount of time that teams need to spend. And keep in mind that our teams that actually do the studies help design this RCS tool in conjunction with feedbacks from taxpayers. You know, what they asked us for was a more efficient way to calculate their credits and enable that remotely in a way that provides real-time access to the data. And, and we delivered on that. And then I'll say this again, but I think it's really important is that it truly enables a collaborative and flexible process and, and reduces the amount of time and distractions to the teams that those tax functions need to serve. So, Randy, you've given a lot of detail there with respect to the input that you need from the business unit personnel, from researchers and from engineers who are helping with this process. And then I think really focusing on the automation. So, Let's maybe put that into a practical lens. How have you seen companies conquer these obstacles? And can you share a recent success story? Sure. Let me talk about two different examples of some of the successes that we're seeing. And and it also combines, you know, it combines automation and it combines teaming with other areas. And one example that we're seeing quite often is the credits and opportunities related to cybersecurity. Whether we're doing a study for a taxpayer or our advisory team is doing a cyber technology implementation. We team with each other to help identify the cost associated with that. And we use these advanced data analytics tools to evaluate the, the transactional level of the detail to really get in there and evaluate which aspects of those transformations and those implementations really do qualify. And what we're finding is really significant opportunities for companies for Budgets in the cyber area that were previously not evaluated and not looked at from a credit perspective. Similarly, another area which follows sort of the same pattern is we also work with our pharma and life sciences advisory team as well. And we find that there's a lot of synergies between our teams because we are looking at the same information just quite often in different ways. And by doing so, for example, we've been able to help companies enhance their R&D credits and orphan credits related to clinical trials where data in the past was hard to mine and to understand and evaluate, by teaming, we're able to really unearth significant more opportunities and create greater credits for the companies. And so when I think about that, really, there's sort of two things that are are critical to this. One is that it's really one size does not fit all. And what I mean by that is that every company and industry is different. So you need to bring the right resources to the table and make sure that while we're doing this, we're thinking about like, what is it that the companies are looking to accomplish? What is the sweet suite's goals and strategies? And how can we utilize those and leverage them to create and enhance opportunities for the credit? And then also part of that where we see success is where the tax functions help us to break down those silos. Tax functions are working across sort of the functions holistically in a company. And it's important that they have a seat at the table to be able to look ahead and see what opportunities are there so that they can take advantage of the credit and be prepared to do so. 
And you know, Randy, I think your part there about the importance of the tax functions working across function is really key. And you've also described that refreshing R&D credit processes can yield cash tax savings, but they can also have an impact on M&A transactions. So Randy, would you describe in more detail why this is the case? You know, it's an important issue, particularly given the hot M&A market that we're in right now. That's a great question. And, you know, overall, R&D credit processes are, are more important than ever when it comes to M&A transactions. And as a target, maximizing your research credit can improve the company's value and being able to demonstrate that there's a proven and effective process for documentation identification is also important from a financial statement perspective as well. Now, if there's a credit carry forward involved, you know, a lot of times companies look at this and, and these research credits are often overlooked because there's a concern that, oh, well, there's a 383 limitation, which, you know, when the ownership changes, there's not going to be any value. But the value of those target research credits are really important and could sweeten the deal. So it's important to take a look at those and to evaluate whether or not actually they have the credits that they that are eligible for. And when we credit carry forward, what's important to recognize is that there is an additional opportunity sometimes to go back beyond the initial three-year statute of limitations. Sometimes we can go back 10, 15, even up to 20 years if there's a string of NOLs or carry forwards that are there, and we can update credits that otherwise may have not had the proper attention paid to them at the time. You know, evaluating R&D credits can be an important issue during the diligence process because it, it can also uncover additional credit opportunities that were, again, like I said, otherwise ignored. And you know, what we see is companies reaching out and seeking industry-specific expertise to assess qualifying activities pre- and post-acquisition. And this is important because having the right expertise per industry really does help you unmind and, and evaluate opportunities that you may not have otherwise been aware of. And this includes analyzing potential targets, history of development activities, and the nature of those research credits claimed. And Randy, I would agree with where you've highlighted how R&D credits play in a deal space or in M&A transactions. And I think documentation is really key here. As you've said, it can be a very valuable asset, right? There's inherent risk of challenge if the documentation isn't sufficient to qualify or if there's questions about the R&D credit. And so really making sure that there's good documentation that qualifies all of those costs is very key to not have a haircut to that value. So I appreciate you highlighting the documentation and then the value that it can have in a deal setting. Yeah, I agree. And one other thing I would just say, and I think this is really important, timing is really critical. You know, if you wait too long, key players will cash out and the knowledge and information that they have that will help you substantiate and actually identify and maximize those credits will quite often leave the company. So it's important to make sure that you get in early and get that information because once they leave, quite often the information can go as well. So Randy, you shared with us some success stories and how a customized approach for the R&D tax credit process can typically deliver the most value for a company, but some tax functions are just getting started. So as we wrap up today, can you share some practical steps our clients can take as they embark on their R&D journey? Sure, Margie. I, I, let me narrow it down to three areas. First, is it important to make an honest assessment? What I mean by that is make an honest assessment of, of your current process and your readiness for change that's on the horizon. And that can go a long way to help map out your next steps. There's no doubt that more U.S. legislative changes and global changes are likely coming. And as such, tax functions need to ask themselves, 
do you have a robust process that's automated and that can serve the tax function well for years to come, you know, whatever arises? A second, you know, as discussed, alignment with the broader business is critical. A good place to start is talking to business leads to understand what the growth strategies are and what are the plans for product, process, and technologies from investments or acquisitions. I would say that speaking with the CISO and the CIO is a great place to start. And then asking questions like, what new level of efforts is she focused on? For example, is the company adopting emerging cybersecurity technologies to address those new threats? And are new transformational technology efforts underway? Are there any new strategies for products? And by looking ahead, tax can be better prepared to include and evaluate new and significant credit opportunities. And then third, the C-suites want a tax to be a strategic partner to the business. Ask yourself, does your research credit process fit with that perception? You know, and do you have a seat at the table? Does it need to be redesigned and enabled with the technology so that you can reduce the overall burden on both tax and non-tax resources while still enhancing your credits? Are your processes, are they fit for purpose to capture available credits so that the company gets the full benefit from the R&D spend? And again, are those processes designed in a way to successfully utilize technology and collaborate with the right research specialists? Randy, thank you for joining us today to discuss why refreshing your R&D tax credit process should be on the tax function strategic agenda. Thank you to all of our listeners as well. We have more to come in our Tap into Tax podcast series as we continue to share insights about the challenges and opportunities all of your organizations are facing right now. Thank you, listeners, and have a great day. podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.